0: Hey, welcome back to the Uncooked Rice Show. Today, I'm with Audrey Pillsbury. Uh, she also goes by her artist named Junan, and she is a recent graduate of MIT, where she double majored in chemistry and music. And currently, she works in the aerospace engineering field, but is also the creator behind the narrative podcast, Junan Podcast. Um, she loves to find connection and synthesize her artistic and technical skills, channeling this into her music and scripts. Um, Audrey, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Jesse. Thanks so much for having me.
0: What have you been up to during quarantine?
1: Yeah, so quarantine has, uh, you know, been an interesting time for all of us. I'm sure um, I've been fortunate enough to be able to work from home um, and continue doing my day job, so that has been uh, nice. Obviously, some uh, unique challenges with that—no uh, longer working in an office setting and kind of having all of us transition to be working from home. Um, it's certainly been um, interesting, to say the least. Um, in addition, I've been, you know, working on um, my podcast and trying to keep up with doing creative things as well Um, so it's kind of interesting I think how at least for me I've noticed like in quarantine time I kept thinking like oh I have so much more time to you know do my creative stuff after work and things like that but um, you know sometimes I feel like it's almost like because I have all this extra time, I just don't know what to do with it. I don't know, it becomes kind of hard to balance things. I think it's harder to have that work life separation. And everything kind of just mixes together when you're not, you know, going to a job and working there and then coming home. Um, it's hard to have that separation. So I've been trying to keep up with both. But um, it's been a learn as you go type thing.
0: Yeah, I, I think, I think a lot of people right now who just feel stuck at home can definitely relate to that. Um, Yeah,
1: definitely. Mm -hmm. Because
0: like everything's stuck at home, right? And it's hard to, I guess, as you said, find that work-life separation.
1: Yeah, I mean, it kind of feels like the whole world's um, kind of paused right now. It's kind of crazy. It just feels like everything is sort of put on hold, um, which is both kind of comforting because at least it kind of feels like we're all in it together. Um, But yeah, I mean, you're right. It's certainly hard to, to really feel like you're making the same progress and the same milestones as before quarantine.
0: So we'll talk a bit more about sort of the work that you do, as well as the creative projects that you also work on uh, later on in the sure. episode. But I mm-hmm. guess we'll start off by sort of asking, because you're a second generation second generation immigrant. Your mother is first generation Chinese, as your dad is white. Yes. So yes, I wanted correct. to ask, yeah, so. you,
1: mm-hmm. um, oh no, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> for you, yeah,
0: for you mm-hmm. personally, like, what was that like growing up as a biracial individual?
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Um, I was thinking about this recently and um, I I feel like because I I grew up in an area where it was predominantly like the two most prominent races were white or Asian. um, I didn't really, you know, feel like I fit into kind of either group exclusively, um, but it never uh, kind of bothered me per se. It was more just like I remember thinking like, oh, like, you know, I don't fully think of myself as like completely Asian Um, But I also know that like, I I definitely um, have a lot of things about me that are more identifying with Asian culture. Um, I feel like it wasn't really until college when I kind of started noticing. I think when you get to college, people become a lot more into their identities and um, how that kind of defines them. So I feel like it wasn't until I went to college where I kind of started feeling like, um, I am Asian but then kind of with like an asterisk next to it like well only half Asian um, so I, it, it has been kind of interesting I think to try to balance these two things think um, like in a lot of ways people want you to kind of fit into these boxes like if you're Asian like you know these are kind of the stereotypes associated with you um, but I feel like especially when you're mixed race like kind of where does that put you? Like people, I think don't tend to know what to do with people that don't fit super nicely into those boxes. Right. Um, and so for me, I think that just accepting that, like, I wasn't going to be able to fully relate to either thing, um, has, you know, I think that's been like really helpful for me, at least just kind of being able to just go and do my own thing and, and try to not worry about like, Oh, do I fit in this box here or that box there?
0: Right. Um, And I think a lot of the times because like people aren't technically able to, I guess, in a way, categorize you into a certain box or a certain, I guess, um, category. Like, does it ever sometimes feel Mm -hmm. like they put you as lesser or sort of like, um, I guess, Mm -hmm. different from what you would normally be considered as?
1: Yeah. Actually, so um when I was writing um so we talked about a little bit, I, I did like a narrative podcast and the it was a musical about the Asian American experience. Um and when I first started um unveiling it, I, I ended up putting it on at my college my senior year. But when I first started doing like the promotional material for it, um basically we just sent it out as like a form email, like hey, there's this show happening. It was written by this person, Audrey Pillsbury. Um, you know, it's about like the Asian American experience. Um, and it was really, I, I was not expecting this, but I did get um, some emails from people that I never met before, just complete strangers that were like very confused and were like asking, you know, why are you writing a show about Asian things? Like, I think first they kind of saw my last name and probably assumed I wasn't Asian at all. Um, and you know, there's obviously very. It, it's not uncommon for Asian people in America to be adopted, right? And so you, like, they could be full Asian even and have like a a, a non-Asian sounding name. But um, I did kind of start getting it, like it wasn't huge. It was just a small amount of people that were kind of saying like, well, um, well. I, I thought when I explained to them like, oh no, I'm half Asian. Um, that the problem would kind of go away but I actually ended up getting into a bit of an argument um, with someone about like whether or not I was Asian enough to be like writing the show Um, and I felt like that was a really strange thing to have to kind of defend your personal experiences right Um, but I do think that there there is that sort of like Sometimes people thinking that, like, oh, if you're only half, that, like, you aren't enough. I know that when um, Crazy Rich Asians was first, um, you know, being uh, written as a movie and being adapted as a movie, um, that there was some backlash with the main character, uh, Henry Golding. People were a little bit um, upset that, like, they were saying, oh, you know, like, he's only half Asian. Like, of course, they hired a half Asian uh, male lead for this show. Um, and I, I don't know. I just think that, you know, when we try to get down into those things and try to define how much of an experience somebody can have, I think it gets messy and is kind of unnecessary in a lot of ways. You know, um, you don't know what that person's uh, life was like growing up. Um, you don't know how much their culture um, meant to them or how much they identified with it. So I think that um, especially when you're kind of biracial, it, it does become a little bit of a, a struggle to relate
0: yeah, like it's it's odd, right, in a sense, and kind of ridiculous mm-hmm. in a sense where some people would think that, you know, just because you're only half Asian, that means you can mm-hmm. only experience a certain amount of that, I guess, that tradition and that culture, right?
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it it is strange to me because I, I think that, you know, it, you can't really – it's also strange to me because I think that it doesn't get applied evenly, right? So I think that, you know, no one would sort of say – like, well, Barack Obama was only half black, right? Like, no one is going to say, like, he's not really the first African-American president, right? Um, And so I kind of feel like it tends to be sort of arbitrarily applied when someone's trying to get, like, random culture points or whatever it is, right? Like, I felt like, you know people on the one hand get really excited when like Keanu Reeves plays something. Cause they think of that as like, Oh, like, you know, that's good Asian representation, but no one puts like the asterisk next to it. That's like, Oh, but he's only like half, I think Japanese it is. Um, so I just think that it doesn't really get applied evenly all the time. And so that's why I think it's better to just, you know, not try to get down into the technical weeds of like, how blank are you and just see, you know, I think everyone has their own unique experiences that they can talk about um and you know i think that we should just kind of open it up to that rather than saying like oh like maybe you're not qualified to talk about this because you're only half or a quarter or whatever it is
0: right and like you can't really like who's to say somebody is responsible or somebody's able to you know define how much of an experience somebody has or like how much how much asian you are right
1: Exactly. Um, Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Actually, I saw this test being circulated around yesterday that was like this, how Asian are you test? Um, and I, I took it out of curiosity and it was kind of funny cause I got almost exactly 50% on it, <laughs> which is really, st- I mean, I was looking at some of the questions and I feel like a lot of them to me don't really necessarily define like what being Asian is. I feel like some of them, um, are kind of, have kind of, you know, gotten into the mainstream. Like, I mean, I even saw that I think Dunkin' Donuts is going to start having boba in their drinks. So like, I feel like so much of Asian culture is kind of transcendent and is now a lot more into the mainstream. Um, But yeah, you're right. I think trying to define like how Asian we are is like is it's really difficult. And um, I can understand why people want to do it. But I also think sometimes it it does a little bit more damage than help.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Um, Mm -hmm. But let's move on to I guess, um, for you personally, like growing up Mm -hmm. with a Chinese mother and like a white father, were there like sort of cultural differences that uh, I guess you as a family had to work through?
1: Yeah, I think that um, there certainly are. I I mean, I think that, you know, so also I I should say too that like my parents mean the world to me. Um, I love them so much. Uh, They've really been kind of the main drivers and forces in um, all the successes that I have had in life. So I guess just shout out to them and like a big thank you. Um, But yeah, I will say that I think that, you know, as with any Uh, varying culture. Like, I think even just, even if I'd had like two Asian parents that were both immigrants, you know, coming and trying to assimilate into American culture, that would have been um, a very um, difficult experience. But I think when you kind of have, I guess, two different cultures kind of coming together, there certainly are going to be clashes. But I think overall, um, I kind of felt like I had a very good blend of the two. Um, I think a lot of the stereotypes with like Asian mothers, um, I, I didn't really experience those sorts of things. Like my mom was always super supportive of uh, me doing sports if I wanted to, or if I wanted to do musical theater. Um, I never had to deal with those types of like um, Asian mom stereotypes. Um, I do think that and also a great thing is that my dad is like super um, into exploring uh, like Chinese food. Like there's really nothing that he won't try um, and Like, I think that we've had a pretty good blend of the two. Um, I just think that, like, you know, there's different ways that I've seen my parents, like, approach things or situations that just, I think, kind of come from um, differences in how their upbringings were. But I think the biggest thing is just, like, you know, if you want to learn and you want to try, um, you can really make a good blend of things, you know. And I think that um, that's probably true for most I think of the world, if we all were to just, you know, like sit down and just have a conversation with someone um, who's different than us, we could probably come to more similarities and differences. Right. Um, So I I think that in general, my upbringing has been kind of um, a really good blend of the two. And at times, like, sure, it's it's definitely been difficult. But I think overall, um, I think it's been at least for me, I look at it as all a plus and all a benefit to myself.
0: That's that's good to hear, um, because I think Uh, a lot of the times like I think when people grow up in I guess different environments or like having struggles Mm tends a lot of times reflecting back there are a lot of negatives that come out of the situation but I'm glad to hear that you know you're able to reflect on it and realize that you know even though there were some difficulties like overall it was a very Mm -hmm. it was a positive process to you know in the development of yourself as an individual right
1: yeah no and I I definitely think that um that that's kind of hindsight looking back as well right I think um like now that I'm recently graduated college and I'm kind of you know I'm I'm still in my early 20s but like I feel like it's I, I feel so differently about so much than I did when I was like a teenager for example right like I think um once you've kind of gone through college and start doing things on your own and start having a job and things I think it just gives a different perspective and I kind of can reflect and look back on things um in my teen teenage years and kind of be like oh I just didn't know anything at the time you know um so I kind of reflect back as well and think like um you know my my problems back then seem so much smaller now um but you know when you're a teenager like everything feels like the end of the world so
0: yeah that that's definitely true yeah um, <laughs> I wanted to ask this as well like um mm-hmm. because like now as you like you recently graduated college right and mm-hmm. you I guess have taken some time to reflect and I was wondering like have you seen any differences in I guess the way the people around you sort of treated you and sort of your identity was it different in high school compared to then in university
1: um I think I think that so in in high school I feel like we all were kind of just um you know in high school especially like people are always gravitating towards people that they're most similar to right Um, So so I think that like in high school, you you see a lot more, um, you know, distinctions of like, okay, there's like the Asian group of friends hanging out. uh, Here's like the mostly white group of friends hanging out. And like, I think that things just kind of tend to get divided that way. Um, And I don't don't necessarily know why. um, And I don't think it's necessarily like inherently a bad thing. Um, I just think that in in general, like in high school, we all want to find uh, the people that are most similar to ourselves. And so you kind of gravitate to that. I personally was kind of bouncing around between different groups of people. And I think maybe looking back on it, part of that could have been because I I kind of felt like I wasn't in between of a lot of these groups. Um, I think in college, the biggest thing that was different to me was like, You know, everyone's living together and and you're just surrounded by so many just different people and people that are so different from you. And I think um, just because you're kind of put into those um, situations that you probably wouldn't have sought out otherwise, maybe. um, I think that you just become, you know, used to hanging out with people that are just all different backgrounds and races and religions and all different types of people um, that I probably wouldn't have met any other way if I wasn't you know going to classes with people like that or living in an area where there were so many people very different from myself um, so I, I thought that was like um, a really great experience for me and I think that because of that um, I always felt you know very accepted in college I, I felt like I had a great group of friends and in general all my peers were, for the most part, very welcoming. Like I said, there was like a few sticky situations when I started, um, trying to put my own art out there and stuff like that, I think. Um, but you know, ultimately I don't look back on it and have any bad feelings about it because I think, um, when you're putting, you know, your art out there, you have to be open to the fact that people are going to criticize you or criticize your work. And you kind of just have to be comfortable with that. Um, But I do think that for the most part um, I felt very accepted in college and, and it wasn't so much that like I felt unaccepted in high school, but I just think it was, it was different. If that makes sense. I just felt like it was a very active space in college to just, be who you wanted to be and if someone had a problem with it then you kind of learn to accept that and move on um so overall i, I think i hope that kind of answers your question <laughs>
0: yeah that that definitely does um okay, i think good. <laughs> um yeah i think there definitely is like a i guess a sort of difference in the sense that um even though high school might not have been unaccepting it's definitely more evident that you know being in a university where there are more people and more cultures and more traditions mm-hmm. right it's just mm-hmm. more evident that it was a more accepting community
1: yeah and you have more spaces i think um and and just more time too like i mean in high school i feel like everything is just i mean not that college is is not super busy either of course it is but i think in high school it's just different like you don't have those spaces where you can really express yourself or feel comfortable like putting yourself out there more I just think it's a total different game when you get to college
0: right and on that note I wanted to talk about sort of like uh so like you spend your time as a like in the aerospace engineering field right Um, yes so that's that's my day job yeah Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. but on this side you've also created this narrative podcast as you mentioned Mm -hmm. and that idea of like having you know, diving into both the scientific side as well as the artistic side, it's not a really commonly talked about, I guess, um, topic, mm-hmm. right?
1: Oh, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I think that it's always personally fascinated me because obviously like MIT is such a technology, like we're known for our science and our technology and our engineering. Um and it like is always fascinating to me that We also have a really great arts and humanities program um, that doesn't get talked about as much. Um, But I also think that um, I've always found the intersection of the two to be so fascinating. Um, And I think that at a place like MIT, you kind of get to see sort of the best of of both worlds, kind of, and you kind of get to see these two worlds collide. And I agree that it doesn't get talked about uh, nearly enough, but I think that there are so many similarities actually between the two um, and I think it was actually more recently in history that we started trying to think of the two as sort of a dichotomy. So if you think back to, um, and, all, and and by the way, I should say that I'm, I'm no expert on this matter at all. So this is all kind of just my own opinions or synthesis. I'm definitely not an expert on how the two are interconnected. But um, the if you think back to like even the Renaissance days, right? Like uh, Leonardo da Vinci was considered like a, a true Renaissance man, right? And he was you know, a really great artist, but also at his time, he was considered a really great scientist and inventor as well. And if you look back, you know, like some of his sketches of the human body are like the most famous, um, some of the most famous images ever. Right. Um, But he had this understanding that like, he didn't feel he could sculpt or paint if he didn't understand how the human body looked and how it worked. So he spent all kinds of time trying to dissect the human body and, really get down into like the nitty gritty of the science behind how we moved and, and all of that in order to make his art better. Um, and you know, the Renaissance was really a time where there was a scientific, um, rebirth as well. Like people were doing all kinds of scientific and engineering research. Um, and that kind of went very much hand in hand with the artistic revolution. So, Um, I would say that I think that, you know, the two are a lot more related and the two have a lot more in common. And now we kind of tend to think of the two as this dichotomy. And I think part of that's because we've become so specialized, like even in high school nowadays, like people are always put into like, okay, you need to find like your niche thing and just exploit that and make it a very particular thing that you focus in on. And I think that kind of translates larger throughout life is like people are kind of like, okay, we're, like, you're not just going to do civil engineering, but you're going to do this very you know particular subset of civil engineering and you're going to specialize in it. Um, and that's obviously good from certain perspectives. Like if you can just focus your research on one limited thing, you could learn everything about it. Um, but I think the downside is we don't tend to think of ourselves in these broader terms anymore. So we're not thinking of ourselves as like artists and scientists. We're thinking of ourselves as like very particular scientists who do like one very specific thing. Um, And I I would just venture to say that I think that we can find a lot more commonality between the two. Um, And I think that it does uh, both, I think both art and science benefit a lot when you can work the two together.
0: Right. And like, do you think that it's sometimes we, I guess, feel pressured to go into like this specific subcategory or like this specific niche because we want to stand out or we want to sort of, um, I guess, just find our own speciality?
1: Yeah, I think that part of that's also because, um, well, it's interesting, like, I mean, you know, art and science also have this this difference about them, where like, if, if we would never tell um, someone who was going into science, like, oh, hey, you're probably never going to win a Nobel Prize. So like, you shouldn't bother with science, right? But we do have this thing about art, where we would tell somebody like, hey, you're probably never going to win an Oscar, um, or you're probably never going to, you know, blank and so therefore you probably shouldn't go into art right so we do have this kind of um interesting like dichotomy there where it's like okay we we don't think about doing art sometimes just for the fun of it um I think that you know certainly there's a lot of people that would say that art's just a hobby for them but we almost I think in art communities that I've been a part of almost look at that as like a a bad thing or a negative like I know that with certain art communities, it can be very much like if you aren't, you know, doing it full time and you're not like a struggling artist, then you're kind of selling out or, you know, the work that you're doing is not really the same as someone who's like laying it all out there and doing, you know, art 100% of the time. Um, but I think we're kind of undervaluing the fact that like you can do art just for the pure enjoyment of it. And it doesn't have to be something that you're going to make money off of or win an award at or something like that. So. Um, Yeah, does that, I think that kind of answers your question. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, like, it's weird because, like, um, a lot of the times, again, like, what we've talked about earlier with your biracial struggle, the similarity there is that, like, people tend to pick and choose, like, Mm -hmm. what is more valuable, right? And so a lot of the times with this idea of this, like, dichotomy, people tend to put more value on sciences and, you know, things that are, Mm -hmm. that can provide tangible value to it, right?
1: Yeah. And it's, it's kind of strange because I think that people like to think that these things are more different than they actually are. Like, for example, I think you could say that at the root of it, both science and art are kind of rooted in the same ideas in that, like, you know, in general, a lot of people are doing either to get some sort of economic benefit, whether it's wealth or cultural capital or something like that, um, you know, ideological freedom, like exchange of ideas, like all those types of things are kind of prevalent in, are, are kind of prominent in both art and science. Um, but I, I think that the difference is people tend to think that if they're pursuing art, it's like extremely introspective and they're kind of trying to present this super like unique thing to the world. But I think in a lot of ways, science is kind of doing the same thing. Um, I, I do think that, you know, people, like you said, want to put you like, you have to either be an artist and you have to do that a hundred percent of the time. And if you're not like struggling and on this, like, ex- I mean, we do also in America, especially, I think have a kind of unhealthy obsession with someone who's like a tortured artist. And like, um, I think that sometimes can be very unhealthy. Um, but i but I do think, like you were saying, we do have this clear sort of thing, like you're either this or you're that. Um, and I think you know, people aren't that simple. Like, I think, you know, Albert Einstein was like a phenomenal violinist as well in addition to his um, science that we all you know obviously know him for. Um, but i I think that there's so much similarity, and I think trying to put yourselves in these boxes is is definitely less helpful. um it's it's more harmful than helpful, I think. So I think that there's, a way that if you're interested in more than one thing you can definitely synthesize the two. Um, I know that for me, I always thought of things, something like chemistry, for example, like chemistry is all about, you know, how are we going to put these different molecules together to make something else? And when you start learning organic chemistry, it really is like about, you know, taking all these different things in the periodic table and like learning the language, like it really is a language of learning the periodic table and like sorting them together. And how are we going to make this compound? And I've always thought of it as like, I mean, that's really what music is in a lot of ways too. I mean, music is taking, you know, the musical alphabet, all these notes and finding a way to put them together to make a song. Um, So, I mean, obviously that's kind of like a a cheesy analogy, but I think in a lot of ways it's, it's kind of true. Like when you really think about um, art or science at its bare minimum, I think they have a lot more in common.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree. Like it's, again, it's just, it's, it's not one or the other right and I was wondering for you like growing up did you ever feel limited or pressured to have to pursue one or the other
1: you know it's interesting because I think that I I think for a lot of um other Asian Americans I think they probably do feel like they couldn't be accepted if they tried to you know pursue arts in the creative industry um but I actually never felt that way it's interesting I did have a moment in college though I had started um doing an internship in the lab, um, in this one professor's organization. And when he found out that I was considering double majoring with uh, music, I remember him being very taken aback at the time. And, um, it, it's interesting because I was still on his email distribution, um, like a year, years later after I'd already left the lab. And I remember him sending out this whole article that was basically a treatise on why students should never double major. Um, and it, you know, a lot of these arguments are kind of what we talked about earlier, where it's like, people say that, like, oh, if you don't focus on just one thing, you'll never be good enough, like, you have to only do one thing, and then you'll be good enough at that thing, and that's all you need, and you have to focus 100% of your energy on that, but I just personally could never find myself wanting to do that, like, I always felt like I had to have a balance, and to me, having a balance is, like, you know, I need to exercise, I guess, both both sides of my brain, if we want to think in those terms, but, um, I always felt like I had a lot of support to do more than one thing. Um, I, I'm in general just my nature is to be very risk averse, so I always felt like if I wasn't putting my eggs in one basket, it would benefit me in the end of it. So um, I always tried to be very broad in everything that I, I did, and I think um, for some sometimes I I, I received more heat um, from that for like through my teachers or professors or things like that who were. Obviously, their paths in life were very, like, we're going to do all this research in, like, one very specific area, um, and that's, you know, probably worked out well for them, um, but I think that, you know, obviously that's not the path that everyone needs to take.
0: Right, and, like, again, it's it's not a very familiar concept, right, where, um, right. Mm-hmm. yeah, people sort of engage in higher education, especially with two different sort of degrees that uh, are, again, viewed differently, right?
1: Right, mm-hmm. and I, I always thought that, like I said, I always, I always felt like I could see a lot of similarities between the two. I mean, I think that, you know, I, I like to think of too, like so much of science is, is very beautiful when you think about it. Like, there's these amazing images of, you know, molecules and structures. Um, You know, the really famous Pink Floyd album, Dark Side of the Moon, has, like, one of the most famous album covers images of all time. But that's just um, a glass triangular prism dispersing light into color, right? Which is, like, a very fundamental science concept. Like, I think there's so many things where you can find beauty in both. And and to me, I think that the more we explore that, really, the better.
0: Yeah, I I agree. Like, I think there are definitely a lot of similarities, right? And I think, uh, me personally, Mm -hmm. I believe, we're the... I guess the line that people draw in trying to differentiate the both is like, I think sometimes people confuse art with entertainment. Um, Right. And then science with objective fact, right? Um,
1: Well, no, it's true. And I think when you try to think about like, you know, the question, what is science? What is art? I think the question of what is science is probably a lot easier for people to formulate an answer to just off the top of your head. I think we all would agree in general, like we could come to a sort of agreement on the question, what is science? But it was interesting, actually, just a week or two ago, I was having a discussion with one of my college friends about what is art. um, And we had very different definitions of what we considered art to be. Like, um, we got into the all the way down to the nitty gritty of like, is a textbook art? And and personally, I think that you could argue that a textbook is art. um, Because to me, it's like, how you organize that book, what what images you decide to put into, like all of that is trying to convey a story or convey a series of facts. And to me, like, you know, you're providing a creative input then. And so to me, that's art. But I could also understand the argument that like, OK, maybe a textbook is not art to everybody. Right. So I think it's very hard for us to define art. And like you said, art entertainment, obviously some differences there. Um, and, but I do think that it, it's a very hard thing to, to really define
0: Right. Um, And I guess my question for you now is, like, um, having this experience now in sort of pursuing both uh, a scientific field as well as the artistic field, like, um, I guess, like, what would be the, what would be your, I guess, the biggest challenges that you've had to face so far?
1: I think um, certainly managing time and managing things, especially, you know, as we kind of talked about earlier with quarantine, I think that sometimes um, especially when you get into a rhythm of working an engineering job, it can be very easy that, you know, you come home from work by the time you eat dinner, it's already kind of late and you're just exhausted from, you know, the monotony of your day sort of. And it's very easy to kind of fall into a rhythm of like, okay, I'm going to eat dinner, Netflix, fall asleep, do the same thing again the next morning. Um, I think that it, it can feel hard maybe to have that renewed um, sense of creative passion all the time. Um, Especially now with quarantine where it's just really hard to separate your life from your work now because you're not really going to work anymore. Um, But I do think that, you know, for me, I've found a way to, and I'm obviously still learning and still adjusting, but I've kind of found a way to make sure that I am taking enough time for myself and taking enough time to pursue the creative things that I want to do. Um, But also taking the time to enjoy the work that I'm doing in my everyday job. Like, I I truly, genuinely do really enjoy the engineering work that I'm doing. Um, And I think rather than thinking, because the last thing you want to do is to think of either as a chore, right? Like, you never want to think of your job as a chore or the art that you're doing. The art should be, like, obviously, like a really fun part of your life. So you don't want that to be a chore either. So I think just trusting in your gut and yourself to be like hey I need a break today and I'm not gonna follow my crazy schedule that I have Um, I think that's been important for me to remember to enjoy kind of all the different moments of my life because I do like having a broad life and so I think just reminding myself that like hey like I'm proud of what I'm doing I'm happy where I am and I'm on the right path
0: right and like uh, uh, I don't know if you'll agree with me but like for me personally it's like Um, because I'm pursuing, like, economics right now, which is, it's, -hmm. like, a pretty objective, I guess, in a sense, um, boring subject, but I'm also doing this podcast on the side, right, to sort of, uh, I guess, tap into my creative side, and for me personally, having to, like, I guess, um, dive into these, both of these sort of fields, it's, to me, it's always been something that's, you know, broadening, something that's about broadening my own experiences, and I think Mm -hmm. where people, I guess, sort of um, question or criticize that I guess that path is because like I guess it's not a very safe option right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but to me I think going down one narrow path or like one safe route has always been sort of limiting to me and it seems quite limiting and I wasn't sure if that was the same for you
1: no I I would completely agree with that I think that um, you know I I think that there is a, a valid argument to be said that like like, I, I can't fully disagree with someone who says, like, hey, like, if you don't ever devote yourself to one thing, you'll never be great at it. Like, if my if my goal were to, like, go to the Olympics and I was like, no, I, I want to do sports and write a musical. Like, you know, I feel like, you know, there's certain things that if, if that's your goal is to, like, be the best in something, like, obviously, you need to devote all of your time and energy into that one thing. Um, but I think that, you know, at least the way that I look at life and what I want out of life, I think that I want more diverse experiences and to have more broad interests and to, to do different things. Like you're saying, I think that it sounds like for both of us, the path that we like is to be able to have different things that we're we're balancing and and seeing different experiences um so i would completely agree with that and i i think it's actually interesting because um i think economics you could even argue is sort of an art in a lot of ways too right but i mean i understand what you're saying it it is still kind of you know a a science and a discipline so
0: yeah no yeah i agree it's it's definitely there are definitely aspects to it and again it's like what you said right it's not Mm -hmm. different like a lot of the time science and art is are connected right
1: Right, yeah, totally.
0: Mm -hmm. And so on the Uncooked Rice Show, we have this thing where we ask our guests uh, if they have any insight or advice that can help turn our listeners and viewers from what they are now, which is like uncooked hard raw rice into something that's a (laughs) yummy bowl of goodness. Yeah. Um, And I'm wondering for you, Audrey, um, Mm -hmm. what advice would you be able to give to, I guess, the young generations at Asians um, uh, who Mm. are looking towards planning their future but are uncertain of whether or not they should... I guess, um, dive into multiple different, I guess, uh, of their passion, multiple different passions of theirs, or focus on just one narrow one. And so I was wondering for you, like, do you have any advice to sort of help people deal with the pressures of others putting them into like a specific category or trying to put them into a specific box or a set of checklist?
1: Um, so first I'm going to make a really terrible joke and just say that, like, you know, I-, I loved your analogy about like the uncooked rice and everything, but rice is always better with a little bit of salt, right? So take everything I'm saying with like a grain of salt. Um, but this is
0: just, like <laughs> yeah. my,
1: <laughs> yeah, this is like my personal advice and I'm probably very unqualified to be giving anybody advice, but, um, I would say that, um, uh, you know, especially as young Asian Americans uh, today, I think that there's so much opportunity. I think that we're just, especially if we're talking about in media and things like that, we're we're constantly, I think, at a point where we're seeing more and more Asian representation. And um, I think that now it's exciting because for young people in America, I think it's very um, good to see that you could actually be a young Asian and, and see people on on big screens that look like you. And and um, and you could actually see a path where if you wanted to go into entertainment and media, you could envision what that would look like for you. And I think that's exciting. I think we're in an era that is a little bit different in that way now. And we, we're starting to see kind of a rebirth of that. Um, so I think that's very exciting. But I also would say that advice wise, um, I think, you know it sounds cliche, but really just follow what you want to do. I mean, don't let someone put you in a box and say, because you're this, you have to do that. Um, Find the intersectionality in things and find uh, what makes you happy. If you know that you're on a path and you want to devote something to a very specific thing that you want to do, like make that your whole thing. Um, But if you don't want that um, and you don't know what you want to do, keep an open mind and really just try to learn and explore and broaden yourself and see what, you know, piques your interest. Um, but again, like, don't ever feel like you have to be pigeonholed into something. Um, I really think that we're at a point right now where you can do anything that you want and you can find a way to do it. So <laughs> I guess that would be my advice.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. Cause I think again, like a lot of kids nowadays still, still feel pressured either by, you know, society or by their Asian traditions and culture to, you know, go down this safe route and not sort of focus right. on anything else on the side. Right.
1: Right. And, and, and truly, like if you, you know, I'm obviously, as I said, I'm a pretty risk averse person, but I, I can also understand that, you know, if you don't take a big risk, like, you know, nothing ever pays off and big risks look different to everybody. Like for, for me, even just putting uh, my stuff out there is kind of a risk to me because, you know, there could be someone who really hates it and it would suck to see negative comments. But, you know, um, that that to me is still like uh, a good thing overall. And, you know, putting yourself out there, or taking risks can mean different things to everybody.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I guess that's the beauty of art too, right? Because it's open to, I guess, interpretation yeah. to people. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So
0: on that note, Audrey, if people wanted to sort of contact you or reach you on social media, where could they find you?
1: Sure. Um, yeah, I feel free to reach out to me. Um, I, I love uh, doing collaborations or just talking to people. I think this is great. Um, so you can uh, find us on Instagram at Junon Podcast, J-U-N-A-N Podcast. Um, you could also shoot us an email, Podcast at gmail.com. Um, I think that's pretty much all the sites we're on. Uh, we also have uh, where our podcast, if you're interested, um, our first season's out. It's a narrative musical about the Asian American experience um, on most platforms, streaming platforms, Junon on podcast. Um, the music from the show is now available too under my artist name Junon. on. Um, so yeah really I think if you just search Junon, you'll you'll find a bunch of stuff um, on Spotify, Apple music iTunes, wherever you want to go. So um, but yeah, feel free to reach out.
0: Perfect. All right, thank you for your time, Audrey.
1: Oh, thanks so much, Jesse. And thanks for doing this. Um, What you're doing here is, is really great. So thanks for that.